0: Ashley, get your Bible out. Read. This is where we're getting it. We're in Mark 1 today. And so read. Uh, go and read uh, 14 and 15.
1: After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news.
0: Okay. let re- Read that last part again.
1: Repent and believe the good
0: news. All right. News. Who is, who, I'm sure if you've been in Sunnybrook the last year and a half or two since they've been really uh, pushing this diagram. Who is, who is? heard or seen the repent and believe cycle that Jim and Ryan teach I said raise your hand Matt, he won't do it he's okay so so maybe like 30 40 percent of us okay this is something that's been huge for me um, and really beneficial when looking at my life and how I respond to things and uh, I've, Jim first introduced this to us in a Tuesday morning Bible study. Couple years ago, um, I've heard him go over it multiple times. There, we did it in our school discipleship class. If you if for the men who ever have an opportunity to do the school discipleship here at the church, uh, they teach on this a lot. Uh, yeah, Jim, I've also been in Japan when Jim taught it to missionaries there. I've actually heard him teach it to the need to breathe guys when we did a Bible study with the need to breathe band. So, anyway, this has been a, a really huge thing. So, um, the repentance <clears throat> cycle. And I would maybe I'm gonna to try to write this these different notes. I think it's pretty handy. So if you have a pen or paper and haven't heard this, uh, take the time to kind of write it down. And so as this line just kind of just shows this linear view of us, right, in time, as we go through life, we have this moment X. Spencer just pointed out that it's kind of a Kairos moment.
2: And Spencer, will you read that real quick? Yeah, so um, so so in ancient Greek, uh, it's a word meaning the right or opportune moment, or the supreme moment. So the Greeks, the ancient Greeks, had two words for time. So they had chronos and kairos. And chronos is kind of the, where we get chronological, just each moment of time, usually yeah. lots to measure kind of thing. And then uh, kairos is kind of this, um, I guess, the, the definition. Um, ancient Greek word meaning the right or opportune moment. Uh, And so this one is kind of more um, like timeless or appropriateness or decorum, symmetry, balance.
0: So it's this moment where like God is speaking truth to us, right? Like through the Spirit. Um, For those that have heard this thought, I want to hear from you guys. What What are some examples of those like this moment X that we have all the time through our life?
2: What's an example that God might be? think maybe when you're faced with maybe a repetitive sin, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden um, maybe God in that moment kind of tells you something or makes you realize something that you haven't realized before that kind of forces you to um, know, think twice about something or think about something in a different way. So maybe insert your sin here. <laughs> yes. yeah kind of thing, pretty
0: much. Yeah. So... Right, so I'm kind of defining what, this is kind of important to, uh, what you said, insert sin, right? So the sin, the things in our life, um, maybe things that the Spirit is calling us to do, to be. Um, and so, you know these moments, we, we, should, we should be having these throughout life. And, and one of the common things that we can do is, right, in the busyness of life, the, the you know, we're wrapped up in our own kingdom instead of His, what do we do sometimes we just kind of pop right over it and i'm going to show us in a little bit like what that can mean like when we ignore um ignore these moments of x so like just ignore uh these times that god is speaking truth to us and maybe some change that we need to have so but when we do respond to this um we kind of go through a cycle we should as christians um the first part of this cycle is what? What we just read. Actually, what is it? Repent. repent. And the guys, as they've kind of uh, taught this, there's three things on each side. For those that have gone through this year, remember any of the things on this repent side. As we go through repentance when God is speaking truth to us, what are we, what are some of these things?
2: Observe.
0: Yep, observe. Spencer, what is. How should I write this clearly? Y'all can
2: (coughs) explain that, observe, just take- Kind of recognizing it, taking that moment in, understanding that God's trying to do something with that moment, um, and instead of just jumping over the X, kind of Mm -hmm. taking some time to stay in the X and kind of figure out what, what that is. That's right. The next one
0: is reflect, right? Yeah. Kind of along the same lines. It's just that step after observing, you know, what is God saying to me? What are these changes I need to make in my life? Okay, it's kind of the same thing. I need to reflect on, you know, what the Spirit's calling me to do. These changes I need to make. Do um, you remember the last one, anybody? Discuss. Discuss. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, like how how does that fall into our life as a Christian when we go through this repent cycle? Talk to your
3: community yeah.
0: people about it. Yep find community there's an aspect of that in this part okay so repent and believe okay so on this believe cycle right so after we've gone through this moment of repenting of what we need to repent from uh, we come through on the other side as a believe um, starting here do you remember plan right plan
4: explain that well I think the discuss part is important because you got to talk with other members of your community but then after you go through that a lot of those individuals can help you through it and then help you plan towards um, I guess through your repentance I guess kind of planning through your belief how you're going to move forward
2: in your belief
0: yep and you just kind of hit on it the next one is account Account kind of just means like the same thing. You've got your plan in place on how I'm going to uh, go through this belief cycle. I'm going to uh, give account or have accountability through community. So this is also kind of a community aspect here. For those that have gone through, um, you know, overcoming sin and struggle, and and you know, I know people in this room. I mean, in myself too. You, that community part is a huge deal, that accountability that you have. Um, Spencer is a huge accountability person in my life. Like, he's one of those guys I can just, you know, separate from my wife, that I can just, like, truly pour out. And he's good at holding me accountable, and likewise. Um, so, finding that comp- component is a, is a huge part of truly coming through this cycle. Um, last one. Act, uh, put into action, and this is this is one of the one of the biggest things I'll talk about here on the believe. Um, it really kind of woke me up. You know, we hear this word believe, and the Greek word is. And Matt, you can help me if I'm saying this correctly. Is that right? How do you say that? Pistio. Uh, Pistio. So. This this word "pastuo" in the Bible can be related to like believe, trust, faith. But um, one thing that's been huge since Jim kind of pointed this out, and I kind of did some of my own study on it too, is this believe part. It has an action component. Um, you know, the I think it's a failure to our English, um, our English English language on believe. Like, what do we? We hear the word believe, and what what do you think, like, in the English language, like, what's that quick definition? Just like a, it's right, it's just like something in your mind, right? And so what's, what's the banner they have hold up at sporting events, you know, what's the verse of, like, what's the, right, and what is that? Well, John 3.16. I think it's a failure to our English, I think, too many times people know John 3.16 as Christians, or, like, as immature Christians, so they maybe. You know, ask Jesus in their heart, and they they study, you know, or realize John three sixteen that says, um, you know, believe in God. or someone, someone say it. For uh, God's of the world, whosoever believes in God, shall not okay. perish. Well, not yeah, <laughs> not perish, but live an after everlasting life. And I think that some people just think, okay, I believe in God, so I'm good. It doesn't affect the way I live. But this believe component, like to the New Testament writers, to Paul. Um, to Jesus, this language, this pastuo had an action component in it. I mean, it had, it's, um, I looked up and it has like uh, commit mm-hmm. to be transformed. So it's not just this thing in our mind that we can say, okay, I believe in God, I'm good. It truly has to have like a commitment, a be transformed. It has this whole action component that we need to take. And so when we go through this repent and believe cycle, what what tends to happen is we it changes our trajectory, right? When we respond to the Spirit. So we're kind of moving along life kind of just flat and normal. And as we go through this and we address the sin in our life, you know, these moments when God's speaking to us, when we repent, we you know we make these plans, we reflect on it, have a plan, have an action in place you know, this is where the trajectory changes. And as those you know, what is this? That's right, the spiritual growth that we go through. And this right here, this, you know, by doing repent and believe one of the things on this, and I'm sorry, I've erased this. This is could be called like obedience, right? As we obey God, when you're responding you know we have these areas of spiritual growth and so when we look at like our lives over time right um, you know we're always not gonna do this right right I mean probably more often than not we 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 probably just get caught up in our own kingdoms and we may just like jump over and uh, we're not gonna have these areas of spiritual growth but we hope that if we kind of look at our you know life over time We start to grow, and maybe there's times where we don't grow, but um, maybe don't respond the way we should. Maybe a couple times in a row, but, you know, we want to see that, you know, through our life, you know, that we are responding to God, and that we will see this spiritual growth continual over our life. I've had discussions with um, some friends where this was huge, um, you know, reflecting on, I have a, a great longtime friend who, who just really believes in kind of this once saved, always saved, you know, and just kind of, I've seen areas in his life where, you know, it just, it's just take it just continues to take this trend down. And I'm just like, you know, cause I, cause I don't know why, maybe because that simple thing of, they believe, you know, well, I believe in God, but you're just not seeing fruits of it in their life. Um. I've dealt with a friend, a guy I used to be a deacon with at uh, an old church, and he was about to make some major mistakes in his life and his family, um, infidelity, just he was really falling apart. And I, I honestly was like, had, Jim had just gone through this with us for the first time on a Tuesday morning, and I like walked him through this, and he made a huge change in his life, and it was, it was really cool to see God. Work through, um, work through him during this time in his life where he was just ready to just take the ultimate plunge, and, and this ended up, and he's back on a good trajectory, which was awesome, and so anyway, anything I want to add? I didn't, I was supposed to take 10 minutes of teaching, so Ash. I
1: think so, it's hard, because like when I look at the repent and believe, I, I can do the repent part, I'm like, okay, but then I want to do half the circle and then go back, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's those other three on the believe part mm-hmm. that that I tend to not forget about, <coughs> but I don't pay as much attention to, and I it's think the they're heart. just it's as important. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think those are just as important. The accountability, because that's so much based in your community, and I think that's really important. Well, and it seems like when we do that, because we're do sometimes, right, Ashley? That that's where that perpetual sense of guilt and shame comes from, mm-hmm. that we're always wrestling with as believers, and God never intended for us to live in guilt and shame. That's right. But when we're we're aware of our sin and we're thinking about it and we're talking about it, and we kind of know, we kind of, but we're not really willing to take that next step of okay, it's time to it's time to do. I think of it as a U-turn. It's time for a U-turn. We're not parking here. Mm-hmm. Then um, that's when we get stuck, really.
0: Yep, and that's why this is so important on yeah. both sides because <laughs> God never intended us, I mean, to do all this alone. So, um, and that comes, you know, with trusting others and, um, I mean, ultimately trusting God, but uh, just finding those people in your life that you can uh, truly be transparent to. And uh, I forgot to add this. If you want to add this, you know, it's with another part that they emphasize is, you know, this repent side is change your mind the belief side another way to kind of define it's put into action which we talked about mm-hmm. I love like when Jim brought up one time uh, as we were discussing this like you know you when you're talking about this I mean when you guys really study and when you share about what it truly means to believe um, you know, if you tried to explain to those New Testament writers like Paul, like, oh, yeah, but if we just believe we're good, right? I mean, John 3.16, there's other verses. Like, because of our English language and how non-rich that word is to us, um, you know, they'd be like, well, that doesn't even make sense. Like, Paul would be like, what are you talking about? Like, there's this huge action component uh, to believing in God, right? And so, um, and, and responding to the Spirit so, that's also, yes. Well,
3: the last time Jim, or the time that Jim did it in the sermon, it was much simpler than this. But my friend went home and talked to her 99-year-old mother and just drew it out. And they, they just opened the
5: doors of communication. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. uh, yep.
6: Somehow a visual like that can really help you. Yes,
5: I agree. <coughs> I think, Brady, the, the Jewish people had a word called the holocaust. Um, I think that's the way you say it, and in the Haggadah, the way we think and the way we walk. Mm-hmm. And those two things were not to be separate. The way you think, the way you walk was not to be different. And uh, I think that that's one of the, when you split those two things apart, it is what we wind up doing. And the thinking and the walking are to be part of a whole, not separate.
2: Yep, absolutely. Go ahead. One of the things that I get caught up on is when I look at this and I kind of take this and I kind of like, okay, how's my week been or how's my month been or whatever since maybe that last Kairos moment or just in general and I see a lot of these a lot of these loops, right, and maybe I go back and those are the same loops over and over and over and so then I can kind of tend to get maybe discouraged and kind of decide, like Ashley was saying, like maybe internally like I'll observe it, I'll reflect on it, I'll repent of it, but I keep that right side going and there's no upward there's no spiritual growth. So one of the things that I've kind of as kind of trying to use this as a framework for me is to not be to not get discouraged, right? Like um, this is like like you said, it's a it's a lifelong endeavor. It's not a one big repent believe, believe. Right. Um and just to, to understand, and again, part of the community piece, of part of the accountability piece, of bringing that up with, you know, it, it can be a, a repetitive thing, and you get kind of stuck in this cycle. But um, it's okay; you can, you can work your way through it. So. Right. Absolutely. And
0: as I as I wrap up, I see Ryan's back. But like, you know, going back to to what you're saying, Jim. I mean, the, you know, Mark. One, was it 15? I mean, Jesus says in that order, right? Repent and believe. And I think if believe was just that mind thing that our English language kind of describes it as, you know, wouldn't it be believe and repent? Like if that was the, I think that would be the order it would be like, make your mind and then repent of the things that you've done. Where I think I, I think even more it emphasizes because of this order of repent and believe there's a big action component to it. You know, we need to respond and uh, make these changes in our life, and don't put it off. I'm the king of procrastination. I mean, in my life, I'm sure a lot of us are. Know. And uh, you know, yeah. so, that's right. So this, this is, this is unfortunately so many times. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna do this, right, God, but I'm gonna do it later, right? And sometimes that later doesn't always happen. And so I, I've got to be more aware of like taking the time away from my own kingdom and my own busyness to uh, truly reflect and respond to his kingdom and what I need to be doing. So yeah. anyway, I hope this is helpful. Like you said, it is such an easy visual, and it's a, and I did write a lot of clutter here, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of a simple repent, believe, obey. The spiritual growth thing is a huge thing to, to focus in on, and uh, it is something that I think you can respond or, right, with your kids, right? I mean, kids can even respond and start to understand this uh, when they're old enough. And yeah, our friends, as you walk them through struggles they're going through. So,
4: anyway, hope that's been helpful. Ryan. Perfect. It uh, never questioned. Uh, uh, we just used to Yeah. I a okay. Person? I have
6: a quick question. Yes. Um. Just about what Brady was saying about we, the word believe in our English language doesn't have any weightiness to it. Is that something that was lost in the Greek translation? Like, would, would that word have more weight and we just sort of
4: changed mm. it in our language? I don't know if it was lost in its translation into English. I wonder if it was lost in our movement out of the Enlightenment okay. period, where we became thinking brains on a stick. That, sure. um, like, we, we, it's almost like we only have... Um, the capacity to talk in terms of the, of the cerebral, and we don't talk in terms of the heart and the compulsion to obey, and obligation is a nasty word in our society, and thank you, Enlightenment, period, and Thomas Jefferson and other such morons who are um, brilliant at certain areas, horrible in this area. What
6: about faith and belief?
4: How closely are they in definition? Uh, they're n- nearly interchangeable. Okay.
6: That word.
4: Well, it's, like, faith is just, like, you can't really, we we all intuitively know a faith is more than just mental ascent, right? We know that it's more than that. So, the Bible, it is the same root word that is being translated into both in many cases. And, yes, there is this... um, ancient belief is to entrust oneself to like i can right here i can tell you i believe in engineering all day long when i get in my car and i start to deal with stoplights i believe in engineering right i can go from 70 to zero in a matter of seconds and i trust that all the engineering you guys are trusting is worth like that's a different degree of belief and that's more biblical than yeah engineering's a thing because one plus two equals three okay well you got no skin in the game Go I, on a suspension I, bridge and you I, believe in
6: engineering. I do ask that because I've tried to use the word faith more in conversations with my kids. And that, even in, in their, like that seems way here
4: to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is, there like there's a wisdom, right, to using appropriate language. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I seldom ask people if they're Christians. I ask them if they follow Jesus. It's a lot harder to kind of mm-hmm. try to yank my chain on that. Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder to just be Caucasian and Midwestern. Mm-hmm. And call that Christian or to have grown up in church and call that when I say do you follow Jesus that is a different question follower of Jesus Christian synonyms but I'm asking with language that is clearer I think at least in our context right so with kids like faith works you go to a you go to a, a, a situation where people understand the Greek language and you can say belief all day long and there's less op- opportunity for confusion so there's a wisdom to that By the way, like this is phenomenal. The handwriting is wonderful, and so, um, and it's like I love when people can write things nicely, compact. Like my version of this takes two boards, and so uh, I just write too big. Um, I really appreciate this, and I'll use this as an opportunity to plug our men's and women's encounter, and then the school of discipleship coming out of it. You got a question, comment, complaint? No. Okay. Okay. This is something that we developed years ago. And something that I can leave a room and Brady, who's not like a dummy, right? He's a a smart guy. But he can come in and he can just teach it. And you all, and you clap for him, right? It is wonderful. (laughs) This is. I'm not jealous at all. This is. uh, (laughs) But this is a little bit. This is a great testimony to the work that long processes do in people, such as pre-encounter, encounter, post-encounter, which in and of itself is a six-week animal or whatever, and then the 20 weeks of school discipleship, I can I can text Brady the night before and say, hey, can you teach this? i got to leave. And he needs nothing from me. And he gets up and teaches it. And this is something that he can share with his girls. This is something he can lead his wife with. This is something he can do with his life group. And I think that that is not only does Brady have a lot of capacity for such things, right? He could have learned it on his own. But I think it is also testimony to what Scott, um, Scott Irwin and then Diane on the on the women's side are doing with the School of Discipleship. And so this is just a test case where I would say, I think it's it's proven its effectiveness, and if you haven't been a part of one of those ministries, I would encourage you to do so. Um, they're just finishing up that round of it, I believe. Um... Are the women going to have an uh, an encounter this fall? Yes. Okay. Both of them will be in the fall, September-ish. So if you're interested in that, please let me know, and I'd love to connect you to Scott and or Diane um, because I do think it's more valuable. When you tell anybody two weeks and then you have to go all weekend and hang out with guys like you're at summer camp, and then you got to do three more weeks, and then if you want for those overachievers, there's 20 weeks. It's like, oh, I don't even know if I'm committed to my kids that long you know but I would say the proof is in the pudding that it like it's worth it I've done all of it and I'm a part of them to some degree on an ongoing basis as kind of a sub when Scott needs a break but like these are great ministries and I would encourage you all to become a part of it so this we will come back to in just a second Um <coughs> Just like um, the conversation. Oh, sorry. Yes, you got something. Okay. Um,
1: this is actually a question that I feel like I've had my whole life, and so good luck answering it. But, um, the whole, I'll make something up. It's kind of a two-part question. I think about church discipline and kind of where that falls mm-hmm. in this circle because I can see clearly how, as a church, we walk through the whole repentance Yeah.
4: Low, very measured, very cautious, yet there. Like you, you can become unrepentant to the degree that there are. Well, there a couple of them have stepped out but there are eight men who lead this church who will say you cannot attend here. Mm-hmm. Like we've we've got to that point with some people before, and it's also been beautiful that some of them have have decided like this Jesus thing isn't for me. Leave. Okay, fine. We have a flock to protect. Some of them have said, "I can't do this Jesus thing," estranged from His people, and they come back and repent. Now, the process of getting there is again very slow, filled with mercy, filled with pleading, and um, and it would take longer than most of us have the natural patience to bear of unrepentant sin. It's anything but quick.
6: The, the caveat. Your loops don't look like loops. They look like, yeah. they look like, they look like the Vegas. stock market. As they <laughs> continue to grow, they start to look like loops because yeah. you feel like you understand the process and you have the yeah. community to carry the process out. But yeah. It's messy.
4: Mm-hmm. Like, There are nasty dips all over the stock market. Yeah. But since the Great Depression, it's been trending up. Like, that's what we're looking at. We're not looking at, oh, I can't believe you lusted. We're looking at, like, are you in 2017 more godly than you were in 2016? Hmm. Even if it's incrementally so. I don't need you to turn into Billy Graham tomorrow. (laughs) It's not possible. It would be faked at best. Um, There are varying speeds of growth, right? But is there growth? Now, if there is an out-and-out rejection of faith and um, what we would term apostasy, where you've grown hostile, Um, the process of discipline to the point of excommunication speeds up. You know what? That's not our call, that's on you. Because um, my first allegiance is to those that love Jesus. And I'm not gonna let your little selfish temper tantrum be caustic to this community. And then what we'll do is we'll actually, that's, that's what the elders are intended to do. And the staff here, to some degree function as elders, though not entitled. What we'll do is in removing someone from community, we protect the community and now we deal with them. And there are lingering attempts to urge repentance, but like you're not going to come in here and destroy Phil's faith Mm -hmm. along the process, along the way. And so it's very slow, but it is there. And um, we're not afraid of it. We would do it with, um, with no joy it would be with great remorse, but it would also be. I know the guys that are elders of this church, it would also be with great resolve that they would protect you guys. Okay? And by the way, I don't think it would just stop with, you can't come to Sunnybrook in town. We'll also be going to the other churches and saying, watch out, because here's a wolf. I wouldn't let them in your church. Some churches might let them in anyway, but. And, and it's not for slander, it's for protection of the flock, right?
2: Maybe on the act piece of it, like Hannah was saying, the whole cycle, I and mean obviously it takes someone kind of internally deciding that something's not right, and to, and to, and people, friends, brothers, sisters, whatever yeah. can kind of be kind of on the outside go, hey, you know, but the act piece of it, I think is so much more of a, not completely, but that's more where, okay, you've kind of made your way around the circle with, with the community, right? Yep. Yeah now it's time for you as an individual to take what the community has helped a point at which the community has helped you get and now it's, it's up to you Yeah. the community is there to help you if you go through another, all yeah. those things but, but that's kind of where it becomes more about the individual
4: yeah, so you're six easy. years old and you jump. ride your own bike yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm letting go and if you fall, I'm here yeah. but I'm going to let you fall like, in some sense, that's where the action, the living into this repentance is necessary. I need the rubber to hit the road. Like, I cannot, I can't be spiritual for you. Jim says that all the time. I can't do this for you. I'm going to have to let go of your handlebars. I'm going to have to let go of the seat. And you're going to have to skin your knee, and I'm here. Yeah. At some point, if you just refuse to kind of try to do this, like if holiness is no option to you, well, then no offense, but neither is Jesus. I can't, I can't help you.
1: Too, you, know, you sometimes that they, you feel that conviction, and we willfully ignore it. But then I also think there are times that we go through the ex as opposed to the cycle because we forget that ever-important thing of he doesn't condemn us. You know, and I, I think of the, the woman being stoned in John. You know, first he says, I don't condemn you either. Now go and sin no more. And I, I think at that X moment, we have to remember we're not condemned. Not condemned God we don't have to go through the cycle to get God to love us. I right. the person that there first in that moment. And I I at for me that makes it easier to go through that cycle. I don't sometimes I get hung up in the X thinking, I'm not good enough to go through that cycle. I'm not good enough for that with God. I
5: have to remember, no, he moved forward first. Yeah. One of my studies in the last couple of weeks has been about uh, judicial forgiveness. Mm-hmm. forgiveness Yeah. Great, great concept to serve
4: there. Yeah, and this is like you both are hitting on some deep, deep concepts of grace where God can, in his mercy, overlook some things. But because of his mercy, where you don't have to go through the, the process in order to, in, 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 in to like, take on his grace, the other side of that coin is his grace makes you go through the process. <laughs> it's compulsory grace. So this is where i love to say god's grace is free to get very expensive to keep it requires response there is no such thing as grace with no response that's that's unbiblical it's american it's a couple hundred years old it's grace that is free to get you merit nothing and there is some degree of his own forgetfulness this is where God passes over former sins as he he, in his mercy extends grace and grace and grace and grace but upon the like entering into a covenantal relationship with him through Jesus that kind of grace which you can do nothing to get will cost you everything Mm -hmm. to keep And so there is no such thing as I said this prayer, and therefore I've never followed Jesus, but I'm still good because I said the prayer. Okay, that's just not a thing. It's not a thing. And so I spend far more time than I like. Um, Actually, I have one of those meetings this coming week um, where I have to help people see how it's not like you're unloving to say that about your grandson. It's just that you're unloving by refusing to be honest about the situation. And a head-in-the-sand mentality is no game to play with stuff like
5: that. I just think it's fascinating you hit on that we want to call ourselves Christians, and I think about all the other words in the New Testament that we were called slaves, servants, soldiers, uh, sacrifices, Yeah. You, you, priests. You it's priests. It's fascinating all the words that we don't use to describe mm-hmm. ourselves, and we choose the one that... I mean, it, I'm, I'm uh, sort of uh, using that one word to gloss over everything, Christian, but it is fascinating how we don't choose those other words.
4: Yeah. How many of you, like, describe yourself as a saint other than Anthony?
3: Just me out like...
4: But maybe we don't use these words because they're, in, they're a bit convicting or condemning to use. Ah, I won't call myself a saint because then I'd have to like, look like a saint. I'll just call myself a Christian. Okay, that means little Christ. That's no lighter mantle. You need to look like Jesus if you're going to call yourself a Christian. Or at least a uh, poor man's version of him.
2: Well, that, it, like with what Kylie was saying about belief and faith and all that stuff, like over the, that's, those two words are really good at pointing out my laziness. Hmm.
4: Yeah. What do you mean?
2: Because I tend to just default to what I what what we all use the term believe to mean, mm-hmm. kind of an internal kind of whole faith of that action thing.
4: Because the action part requires a lot more work, yeah, a lot more effort, a lot more investment, a lot more
2: time, a lot more accountability. You know, you put yourself out there, and then it's like,
4: okay, well, I actually have to be accountable now. Following so all Jesus is
2: required to be a believer in Christ and have faith in Christ and live out that faith. Mm-hmm. I think about just those two words it kind of reminds
4: me of the the fact that I can get really really lazy yeah it's exhausting to follow Jesus I mean I think I've shared this with you guys before there have been times in our marriage where Rachel asks me like when will we get a break and I know what she means it's relentless and this is so like take staff member off of it it's relentless to be a part of a church like this and to be as involved as we try to be I just tell her you can have a break when I die but I don't recommend it like this is what we do. This is what we do until we're dead. We're involved in the community. We are pursuing holiness. We serve others. When Phil needs something, I, at times there'll be other people that can handle it. I need my default to be though that I'll do it. And I need, and, and Rachel and you know she doesn't she doesn't like she's not bitter over those things. But there are times where we're tired, and there are times where I'm tired. She tells me all the time, "You're so tired." thank you but we don't get to stop we need to find time to rest we need to, if you'll Sabbath appropriately it's amazing how much like, gas you have in the tank to, to live the Christian life so where I'm really running on fumes is where I'm refusing to Sabbath and so there, it's, it's a little bit of both right but if left to my own worldly desires I'll just slow down it's easier requires a lot less work Um, but in the end if I did that who's there to discuss the things of God with Phil or to help him grow more into the likeness of Christ or to just serve him so that I become more Christ-like a lot of times we outsource our spirituality much to our own detriment okay Um, good there's no way I'm going to finish but we will get through as much as we can Um, i started before jill called me in to uh to describe the difference between uh we were talking about christian and gospel as words that can at times be empty Um, repentance is another one which you guys have done a great job of explaining and one of the ways that i can draw attention to that is we get repenting of sin right when god convicts us of our own sin in our lives we get that that's not hard i think i can get see you guys sorry <laughs> start talking about sin and an exodus yeah. okay my, you too okay my wife well, waiting, we'll wait so I go. yeah. <laughs> yeah repentance over sin is no big issue for us there's no hurdle to get over what about um a different a deeper kind of repentance that has um, more room for it for example uh, Moses is in um, the wilderness on Sinai, communing with God, and he's gone for quite some time. He's up in the darkness, and the Israelites are below, and Aaron and the geniuses that are left in charge <laughs> said he must be dead. Um, we, we've grown up in Egypt, so we know how to worship. We, we do want to worship God, so it's not like they're going back to Egyptian gods, but the way that we worshiped them was through idols. We fashioned things, and then we would worship them on their behalf. So they bring all their, uh, they pool all their ignorance and jewelry, and they make a golden calf. And now this wasn't an Egyptian god, so like sometimes we can, we can misconstrue this. It says, they, they fashion this calf so that the next day they may have a festival to Yahweh. Mm-hmm. So they're calling, they named the calf Yahweh. Bad news. <laughs> and God doesn't, he doesn't like this at all. It's obviously one of the things that's in his um, first ten commandments. And so he tells Moses, tell you what. The idiots you left in charge have really messed it up. I'm going to Death Star them all and start over with you, Moses. And Moses says, "No, like, extend mercy, be kind to us, let us have an opportunity to repent." Okay. And what does God do? It said that God repents and chooses not to not to kill them. God repented, and God had no sin in His life. He wasn't falling short of the mark of holiness. He was not being inconsistent with his character. He just changed his mind. And it says that he repented. Which tells me that there's at least two kinds of repentance. Repentance from sin and repentance from things that are um, more menial or mundane or everyday and aren't in and of themselves wrong, but to change one's course into the things of God. You'll see here in our story that you have um, some examples of this. But first I want to illustrate what it is they would have expected Jesus to do. Um, What was the natural expectation of the kingdom of God? Which is another phrase we throw around a lot. Verse 14 says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, a fascinating phrase by the way, and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. He says the kingdom of God is here, or at least near. Repent and believe the gospel. He declares the kingdom of God has arrived. And then he says, as a consequence, it is now time to repent and believe, as Brady has pointed out. Now, what would they have expected from the kingdom of God? And rather than try to summarize it poorly, I just wrote out a a, a few paragraphs from um, a man named Dr. Ronald Kernigan. At Fuller Theological Seminary and this is I think he does a masterful job in just a few Short paragraphs explaining what first Century Jews were expecting for the kingdom Of God this wasn't a new idea they were ready For it and Jesus comes in and says It's here this is what Dr. Kernigan says he says the kingdom of God Is an expression that Embodied the hopes of the Jewish people That God would one day remove all evil From the world and inaugurate a new Unprecedented age of blessing Prosperity and joy This hope was nourished by a number of important Old Testament texts, and it touched every single area of life. It was spiritual because the power of sin would be destroyed, and Yahweh would be universally worshipped as the one true God, according to Isaiah 11. It was political, so not only was it spiritual, it was political in that God's people would be released from the power of the various Gentile governments that had afflicted them with so much suffering through the course of history. He references Daniel 7, several verses in there. War and lust for power would be replaced by the politics of peace, according to Isaiah 9. It was an economic hope because the new world would know nothing of poverty, hunger, famine, or deprivation, as we find in Isaiah 32 and 35. Children would play, the, the world would be so transformed that children would play safely with lions, bears, and poisonous snakes like they do in Isaiah 11. The kingdom of God expresses the hope for a world in which the powers of sin, death, and darkness are replaced by peace, justice, and the worship of the one true God. In essence, it is the hope that the rule of God would be restored over all creation. That's what they expected. From their reading of the prophets, the first century Jews were longing for the kingdom of God to break in in both a spiritual renewal, a political freedom, and economic justice. They wanted all this stuff to come to fruition. And Jesus shows up and says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And I wonder if they weren't a little disappointed. After all, the great prophet, John the Baptist, just went to prison. What do you mean political freedom? We're still having trouble getting these crops to grow. Israel's a very difficult place. Modern farming has changed that, but Israel's a very difficult place to grow food especially when the ground has been cursed for thousands of years. Everyone is, at any given point, just a few bad crops away from being on the brink of starvation. It's a hostile place. What do you mean, economic renewal, Jesus? We're still spiritually broken. Have you met my kids? Sin is still a part of this world, Jesus. And you said the kingdom's here. I wonder what they would have thought. Um, But when Jesus comes in and announces it, You have to believe him. Whether or not it uh, aligns itself with experience, this is the stronger man, the greater one that John said would come after him. He speaks with authority. Next week we'll see him challenge rabbis, and he submits papers to his college professors with zero footnotes. He has his own authority. He needs to quote no one. He stands on no one's shoulder. He speaks with authority. He says the kingdom's here. But my experience says it's not Jesus. John's experience says it's not Jesus. So who do we believe Perhaps we should take our eyes off of John and off our circumstances for a bit. And then the question we can ask is, how often do we focus on the wrong thing to our own confusion? How much do we misunderstand Jesus because we're focusing on the wrong thing? I wonder if Jesus does a lot of that with his talk of the kingdom throughout Mark's Gospel. He says, you don't even... Like, your expectations are... to some degree well informed you love the book of Isaiah and therefore like all this stuff is true but can you do it on my terms not yours after all I'm the lord of history I spoke the stars into existence so you might have to get over yourself and let me do things my way it's a little bit of what I think Jesus is teaching here Because we focus on John, we focus on our own circumstances, we focus on Rome and their imperial occupation of the Holy Land, and say, well, therefore, the kingdom can't be here. And Jesus says, actually, like, stop talking about those. I'm here, therefore, the kingdom's here. He says, get your eyes off of everything else and look at me, and you'll see the kingdom's here. And we talked about this last week at the baptism. Isaiah 64 begs God to tear open the heavens and come down and walk among us again. And to put everything else to shame. And Jesus walks in on the scene and says, The kingdom's here. Then surely everyone doubts. And he says, No, the kingdom's here. Because the king is here. Because God himself is here. Because I've torn the heavens and I've come down. I'm here. So what we see, what we're going to see in these these last few uh, verses when he calls his first disciples is we're going to see a God who says that the kingdom looks different than you expect, though not completely so. And your job is to get in line with it. Because in Jesus, Israel's story has finally reached its climax. God has come down to again be with his people. Which is probably why in verse 14, Mark thought that he would call it the gospel of God. Not the gospel of Jesus or the gospel of whatever. It's the gospel of God because Jesus and God are in most ways synonymous. So God has finally torn the heavens open. He's come down to set things right. And this news is to be received and believed now if one is to one day enter the kingdom. This is where we get into a lot of the tension in our passage. Because they have a right claim. Jesus, like Rome is still in charge. We are still broke and we still struggle with sin. What is this kingdom you speak of? And he says it's here. I know it's here, but things don't look all that great. Which brings us to... The concept we've discussed many times, that the kingdom is in the New Testament, both now and not yet. Now and not yet. And so, um, for the sake of time, the quickest way I've ever been able to describe this, or the most succinct way, uh, the tension between the now and not yet, is that those of you who believe and trust in Jesus and are given the spirit to dwell inside of you. You are currently a citizen, a full citizen of the kingdom. You just don't live there yet. You're a citizen abroad. You are an ambassador, Paul will say in 2 Corinthians 5, a minister of reconciliation, living out of your own country for the time being, and one day you'll be home. That's the tension between now and now. Jesus says, the kingdom is here, and it will one day come. And you can tie those, I mean, it's not even that complicated. You can tie those to when does Jesus show up? He shows up once at the incarnation. The kingdom's here. He shows up again when he returns to set everything right. The kingdom is finally realized in its completion. So where is the kingdom? It is in the Gospels. And it is in Revelation when Jesus returns to set everything right. It is both now and not yet. And the Bible describes it as you must receive it and believe it if you want to one day enter it. And that's this. This is the process of receiving and believing the kingdom. This is the process of living as a citizen of the kingdom. Of constantly aligning yourselves with the way of the kingdom. You can't really live in the United States for too long and continue to break the laws without being relegated to some different kind of citizen. You can't live long in the kingdom without, at some way, conforming to the way it works. So you must constantly repent and believe into that repentance. You must constantly change your mind. And again, this isn't always just sin. It's not always just sin. Luke's ready to, ready to party. <laughs> this is, um, This is what's on display with the disciples, as Jesus calls them. Look at this. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And then Mark gives us this wonderful phrase immediately. He wants you to sense the urgency that they had to just do it. Fishing is not wrong, and it need not be repented of. It's not. Would it have been wrong for them to say no to Jesus when he calls them to follow him? That would have been sinful. He didn't ask them, told them. Again, we're starting to see Jesus speak with authority as the son of God is God himself. Fishing is not wrong or sinful. When the creator of the universe says, I want you to put your nets down and follow me instead, to decline that is sin. And so a lot of times what this process is, is it's not changing our ways because we're currently sinning. It's changing our ways because there is a way to live that is more in line with the kingdom. Brian? Yes. With God? Okay. I mean, that was John's message And it would have been It would have been a okay, prophetic message too. John Like when he says
6: um, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at
1: hand Repent and believe in the gospel Is that the first time that the Jewish people Are hearing those things put together
4: Repentance into God? Right. No, that would have been a very strong prophetic message okay. Constantly calling them to repent but For um, the Jewish
1: people This was different though, right?
4: John's baptism is an altogether new thing And in that sense it is different In that sense there is If, if John is saying that to, to refuse to repent Is to remove oneself from the, from the people of God That would have been new
1: And so that sets the stage For the first call Like they've heard about this right
6: I don't know Maybe I'm trying to put dots together
4: I don't know I'd have to look more and look at the other three gospels. Um, right, you, you've got them down. With John the Baptist down at, in in the book of John, mm-hmm.
5: talks to them. So I, mean, I think it's just it immediately is the importance, not the time. Oh yeah. I, I think they already know each other and know each other well. Mm hmm
4: it's it's a it's a sense of urgency not unfamiliarity so they would have been aware of Jesus I mean that's the thing that's interesting about mark is mark moves on from John the Baptist even quicker than the other Gospels he's really got a, and it's not so much a chronological statement John's still doing ministry before he gets arrested and then before he dies it's more about it's a more of a theological statement to move on from John to Jesus we're moving from the age of promise, Old Testament, which culminates in John the Baptist, the great prophet. And then we're into the age of fulfillment as the kingdom is here through Jesus and he starts to inaugurate all these things. And so I don't even know if when Jesus first calls them that they would that, that would have been the first time they had heard Jesus preaching messages of repentance. So there's just there's not enough data in the biblical timeline for us to string all that together. So it's pressed pretty, quick, pretty tightly. So he says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. To decline to do so um, would have been a sin. But again, fishing is no sin. So um, repentance in this regard is to repent from our own plans, our own agendas, our own expectations, and turn into what God is doing. And in that sense, these fishermen had to change their minds about what the kingdom of God was going to look like. Now, I think that this political, the spiritual, and the economic renewal will come. And I think that it has come. Maybe not as they expected it. It took a while for Rome to be overthrown. But this is where, like, those of you who have the spirit, the onus is on you in terms of spiritual renewal. Holiness is, um, is a requirement. Not perfection. Those aren't synonymous, by the way. To be set apart is, the, is what holiness means. That is required of followers of Jesus Christ. And to be growing in it is a requirement. Okay, so that's taking place. The kingdom sure seems to be at hand a little more. Political renewal. Aren't we called to be ambassadors of justice and peace and mercy and compassion and aid and service? And we always so quickly jump to the highest realms of the governmental system, but like a Politics is nationwide, it's it's society wide. There's so much redemptive work to be done at our level. Why else do you think we have an entire ministry at Sunnybrook dedicated to benevolence? Dedicated to those in this community that cannot afford to care for themselves as well as they ought right now. We have an enormous chunk of our budget set aside to just extending compassion for someone who needs an electric bill paid. Because they couldn't have foreseen losing their job. Or because the the husband's whatever the situation it is, that's our job, is to extend compassion. That sure seems like political renewal to me. Alongside, I mean, economic renewal, I don't really know how you separate the two. You guys know you have probably more claim to my Um, meager though it is wealth and resources than just about anybody else on the planet my wife and my kids have absolute claim to what it is that i've been entrusted with next would be my life group and i tell them all the time like you have more of me than you know if you say jump i will i won't even ask how high i'll just do it i trust you guys enough i'll ask questions later I've known Phil for a long time, and we're Patriot fans, so that helps. And whatever he needs, I will do what I can to help him. Not on my own. I am not on my own. When I've needed help, I've, I've been given help. Like people, It's amazing how the church just cares for itself. And then how the overflow of the church caring for itself is the church caring for the world. So wait. Jesus, like Rome's still here, the ground's still hard to farm, and my kids still sin. He's like, yeah, but like holiness is now possible because of the Spirit. And because of the Spirit, you'll serve one another. And it'll be natural. And when children need food, you'll feed them. It's amazing how the Spirit works in God's people. And uh, we, didn't, we don't have time to go back and see all of the age of promise turning over to the age of fulfillment, but you have in Genesis 1, 9, and 22, affirmation after affirmation after affirmation, uh, and 12, of God's intent to bless the world through his image bearers. Adam, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to make more worshipers of God. Doesn't do it. Says Noah, the flood is over. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Spread out. They don't do it. They build a child. Chapter 12. He says, Abraham, I am going to use you to bless the world. And in 22, he reaffirms that promise and says, because you have obeyed me, your name will be great. You will bless the world. Um, Jesus comes and he says, follow me. I'll make you become fishers of men. When he says, follow me, he's wanting these four fishermen to have a restored relationship with their creator. And then when he says, I want you to make fishes of men, he says, I want you to make more worshipers of God, more people with restored uh, relationships with their creator.
5: Right. You have talked about allusions to the Old Testament, and I've wondered if they, by Jesus calling them, in the Old Testament, the kings could call someone and say, come serve in my court, mm-hmm. and they could call and you had an obligation to come serve. Yeah. And I wonder if there's allusion here, To the fact that
4: he's calling them, that he's acting as the king here? Probably to some degree. Like David had no option to say no when Saul called him to play the harp Like that's also you wouldn't. Like that's a that's a prestigious position. And so there is probably some connection there where the king has shown up and he is calling in his his royal court, so to speak, or his ambassadors. And he's saying, like you guys are gonna you're with me. Which makes the question, hey, can we, when you're in glory on your throne, can we sit at your right and left side? That makes it more of a natural question, right? Um, this, this is the beginning, and this is fortunate that you're on this particular page in Mark if you're reading a paper Bible, because it's directly adjacent to Matthew 28, which I believe is the reiteration and the reaffirmation of um, Genesis 1.28. Where God says, "Be fruitful and multiply," He says in Genesis 1:28, "All authority in heaven and on earth," or Genesis or Matthew 28:18, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go there. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Be fruitful and multiply." In other words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, subduing the earth bringing it under the rule of God and behold I'm with you always to the end of the age the very presence of God with his people that's the end of this particular story and we see here in Mark chapter 1 the beginning of it where he starts to um, pull in followers and says okay the kingdom of God is at hand doesn't look like what you expect it to look like but um, trust me follow me and repent and believe the good news and one other thing I'll draw your attention to here and then we'll be done is I I love to, to remind people that the three primary ways not the only three primary ways that God speaks are through His Spirit through His Bible and through His people when we observe that's usually the Spirit tugging on our convictions when we reflect we usually do that up against the testimony of Scripture and when we discuss we bring in the people of God and so it's amazing how helpful it can be to let the Spirit convict me this morning and Jim talks about good or bad questions in his sermon. And then to go to the scriptures and be a very good Berean and study them and see what this actually has to say. And then to think, OK, well, I wonder what I should be doing, how I should change in light of this new information. I don't know if I have any sin to repent from, but I do have God's kingdom that I need to live more and more in line with. I need to go this way and less this way. And then I come to you and I say, OK, where's the where is the wise counsel in this church? You know, when whenever I'm dealing with issues of parenting, so I, I, I try to pray less and less that my kids would change and ask more and more, what do I need to do? How do I need to change? How do I need to be more patient? How do I need to be more compassionate, more nurturing, more loving? All these things. The last thing I do is go and ask Phil's advice, and that's not because Phil's a good guy because his kids are just the same age as look, we're, we're the same length of time down the road. We're both equally stupid in this area. So I need to go ask you guys. How'd you raise Spencer? What was good? What was bad? How, what advice do you have further down the road? I ask Paul Weiss all the time. How do I turn Audrey Vincent into a Morgan Weiss? Because what you've done is impressive. And, I'm not, and I don't, like Paul, you're not all that great. But the spirit working through you and Julie, like is impressive. How do, I, how do I steer my daughter that direction? Versus, I don't ask Drew Moss that question about Hadley for obvious reasons just kidding Drew is a phenomenal dad He's, and so is Phil I'm not throwing anybody out of the bus but this process really brings in all the resources I have the spirit of God the word of God the people of God puts it in place and then allows me if, I, if my heart is soft to conform to the way of the kingdom which is by the way the first name for the church the way any questions complaints You got a complaint? Your daughter have a complaint? She did earlier. Okay. Let me pray for us, and then we will get in there. God, we are grateful for um, your mercy to us, and that comes in many forms. First and foremost, it comes in the form of the Spirit, and we are grateful, Um, though we often ignore you, and though at times we pretend like you don't care, you have truly given us your spirit and you are invested in the lives of your creation. I pray that we would lean on you in greater and greater ways. That our hearts would be more supple and that we would be more sensitive to, to your way. And that you would impress on us through your spirit through Your revelation in Scripture and through Your Spirit in others. What it is You would have us change about ourselves. What about our minds, about our current ways of thinking and believing You would want us to alter so that we live more in line with You. I pray that we would not think holiness as some unattainable ideal, but as a very real expectation that you have for us. And I pray that you would extend mercy all along the way, that we would have compassion for one another. We ask you these things in Jesus' name.